Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think the primary purpose of your life, of my life, and the entirety of the human race is just to blindly consume to support a failing economy and a faulty system forever and ever until we run out of every resource and have to resort to blowing each other up to ensure our own survival. I don't think we're supposed to sit by idle whilst we continue to use the long outdated system that produces war, poverty, collusion, corruption, ruins our environment and threatens every aspect of our health and does nothing but divide and segregate us. I do think I can speak for everyone when I say we're sick of this shit! Time to mobilise! Time to open eyes! Hello, inners and outers, and welcome to episode 15 of the Chat Chip Podcast, brought to you this week by the guy who is in equal despair and in excitement. Well, one hell of a week. This country has apparently seemed to have tipped itself upside down and become intolerant, angry, bitter jaded and childish it's regardless of whether you voted in or whether you voted out there has been a mirror held up to what we really have become in this country it is fucking embarrassing i've been really quiet on the likes of social media just been trying to observe like a mood of people of this clear polarization of where we are as a nation right now which is absolutely fine people disagree we're in a 50 50 ratio Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But when it comes to bullshit arguments and stating facts of only the side of what you want to hear, rather than listening to the whole situation and taking all sides of facts into regard, we are no better than politicians. We are no better than the politicians who, again, have purposely misled us. Lied is a strong word. Purposely not said anything so that we could be left up to our own interpretation absolutely there is no doubt about it but why are we surprised why are we surprised by this it has been happening time and time again and why is it this time round we have now started to become angry calm down that we now have an opportunity we have an opportunity to reshape and to reform our structural political system because that is the main problem that we have it is not down to the fact this is the reason why these politicians are able to lie to us they are this, this is the reason of why um misinformation from equal measure of the um, of our government and the media in hand in hand purposely misled us and we now have an opportunity just imagine if everybody were to unify in one voice to be able to say no we've had enough of this now we want an an active change we have that opportunity to do to do that now and the only possible way i can think of doing it is that is through information by properly informing people of the true facts of what is going on whether where you get your facts from as long as they are backed up there is two sources to back up your claim of whatever it is not just your opinion to what everybody seems to be um uh, throwing out on social media and and in in our most revered broadsheets and even with the the red tops as well <sighs> horribly so over the space of the last week that how hatred and especially in regards to race have seem to have been magnified in this country, keeps us divided, which if we look very closely is what is purposeful. It has been purposely done to divide us. Through the likes of the media, through the politicians, it was purposely confusing so that we didn't get the full facts, so we didn't get the full information so that we could make an informed decision. This was purposely done and we're falling right into that trap. Calmly, look at what's going on, piece everything together and try and make a better understanding of what it is that we want to be as a country. 
a pluralistic society, something that we can be proud of and be able to be accepting of, of more than one idea. That's my personal opinion, and that is what I would like to strive for. If you feel differently, then go for it in the in whatever causation of what you want. Whatever it is that you, you that what you feel strongly and passionate about, take an active role in it. Write to your MPs. Get a bunch of people together to be able to go and speak to your local members of parliament. Let's let's make a march on parliament. If if there was something that we could all agree upon to say this needs to change, if we were all to be able to do that. The first step in admitting the problem is recognising there is one. Now with my soapbox fully dismantled, my guest this week goes by the name of Mr Sam Webb. Sam is a guitarist who I met on the local music scene of uh, the South West. We were in two separate bands where we kept bumping into each other, we kept uh, sharing the same bill, and we always ended up having a bit of a conversation after every show that we had, talking about local bands and talking about the local uh, band community. Coincidentally, for a very short amount of time, I then uh, became part of um, of his band, called 31. From there, we, we've kept in touch, and he's one of the best guitar players that I've seen in recent years. A, a guy who has a wonderful ear for tone, what is needed for it. To, to drive a guitar part and, and song. So I wanted to bring Sam to the table to be able to speak to me about his experience of being in a very popular band, um, the lifestyle of a band, um, on stage and off stage, and also to talk to him about um, his life after alcohol. So without further ado, Mr. Sam Webb. Federation of funny haircuts that's going to end up <laughs> yeah. ruling the sort of the, the dominant word well yeah. the dominant then, players in, oh, in well, the West that's, that's, a, that's fascinating because then it goes into how again trying to observe it from the all like, online platforms of that of how cosmetic it is Boris Johnson is a very smart man incredibly Absolutely. smart man but because he's a buffoon because he he, he hasn't got the, the social qualities that yeah, you know you think of a prime minister and the, that kind of suave kind of statesman like persona but he's been the mayor of london for how long true but he's also what's the hair yeah london but also long. i mean he's done a, he's done a lot of good for london i think personally not to say i'm conservative or mm. anything like that but i i me personally i think what he's put together and what he's suggested and i like his mind but he's a comical Base character. And people don't tend to challenge people who are kind of comical. They don't take someone like that seriously. Exactly, and he fucking which is knows very it. fucking dangerous. And he knows it as well. Yeah. That's the thing. It's a very yeah. clever game. I, it, yeah, calling it a game is very apt, isn't it? Because this is all a game of. It is a game. Yeah. Who wants to sit on the Iron Throne this time? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just wish it was a bit more like Game of Thrones, where they, you know, <laughs> ended up getting. Head hacked off and put a wolf on it instead, or you know, I, you know. I'm not Game of Thrones. Oh, I haven't man. seen it yet. I've, I've I've purposely not watched it yet. Hold the door. That's all I'm going to say. Hold the door. I, uh, people listening are going to understand what that yeah, means. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I would. I sincerely hope. Hashtag hold the door. Um, <laughs> it made me cry a little bit. Oh really? It, uh, genuinely, it was horrible. Okay. Well, it was it, it was it was fascinating, but it was a little it, bit horrible because I I want to know, but I don't want to know because I'm going to be watching it at a later date. So there's. Um, Spoilers and all that bullshit. It's kind of for me, Sopranos slash West Wing meets really Lord of the Rings. 
Really? Okay. Yeah. Is it, what of that standard up, up there? It, it's just yeah. Well, obviously, I've heard obviously it's you know there's political burning and stuff, whereas in Game of Thrones it's more literally burning or having your head hacked off. Right. But it's it's all about political game. It's games and it's about control. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> and what do you think that it has some sort of context into what's going on now? In the, in, no, in, absolutely in the reality, not. Or? It's just I, I just kind of wish that maybe politics were a little more feudal. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's uh, I think the I've just heard it's, it's an excuse to, for eight millimeter pornographic movie on TV. That's what. No, I've heard it's from not people. all tits and dragons. No, you know, Shame. against again, yeah. What best quote ever? <laughs> tits and dragons. Um, well, there's less tits and there's more dragons now. There are a lot more tits at the beginning, right? But now there's more dragons, so maybe that's cool. That's kind of, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm looking forward to signing, but I, I, I see. I'm purposely read the books. Contra- read the books. Yeah, exactly. I'm read purposely contrarian to it because it's popular. I don't want to watch it. It's the same with Breaking Bad. Yeah, which is a fantastic bit of television. Mm. Um, And it's really, it's harrowing. It's kind of, it's gritty. It's a bit real. Mm. And then, obviously, I'm not saying that Game of Thrones is real because it's it's clearly not. Mm. The way that the story is told and the interaction between people is very human. Yeah. and it's So it's something relatable so that it could... If it, obviously in that situation of that fantasy world, the political manoeuvres, the political games could be that actually actually done. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure they yeah, are. I'm yeah. sure there's some. There must be lots of reference to sort of sort of British Civil War, mm. English Civil War. Sorry, uh, War of the Roses. Um, oh yeah, yeah. In in that the kind of the um, what is it machination, 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 mm. uh, machination. I, I'm not sure about the pronunciations mm. of it, but it's about how. Situations are manipulated by yeah. people from outside. I think the, the, the funny thing with the Game of Thrones is that it can all go horribly wrong really quickly because yeah. someone will kill you, right? And yeah. then that, that flips it, like, it on the head again. Is it one of those where characters will just unexpectedly, you know, main characters unexpectedly die? Or Absolutely, killed? right? Okay. And so you don't know you, where you stand. You'll hate yeah. it. You'll hate it for that, right? Uh, because you know, through Breaking Bad, you had like. A, you seen it yet? Well, Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so that, yeah. you know, there's there's a few main characters die throughout. There's the bad guys who die. There's yeah, the, uh, yeah. You know, there's good guys who die. Um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> it, it like end of the first series, you just like what the fuck? They've just killed off a main character, right? Or okay. have they? Or haven't they? Is oh, anyone okay. a main character? Is you know, <laughs> are, are are people just here to kind of pass on things? But then, do yeah. people really die? Are they really? Are dead? They because it's fantasy, fake? isn't it? You know, yeah. it's... It is absolutely, but there are clearly fan favourites and things like that. Though, yeah, right. okay. you know, I, I really like a, quite a few characters from it, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sure that they will get their just desserts or or really not get their just desserts. Mm. It's quite fun. Okay. I enjoy it. My other half won't watch it because he thinks it's all tits and dragons. It's just right. an excuse for me to watch kind of softcore pornography on TV. But it's what's it's, wrong with that? It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot wrong with that because I, I like a good story, and I'm quite you know, yeah. I, I love my fantasy. Like, oh, you're at that level of, of I don't. Of, of well, I'm, I'm not. You know, I don't. I'm not going to go out and get like an L7 armor suit and start yeah. larping. Yeah. That's you oh, know, that, that's cosplay a, type that's, yeah. that's a step too far for me. Right. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not judging people who want to do that. If you want to yeah. go and hit each other with plastic swords and behave like eight year apparently that's great. it's supposed to be incredibly fun. I don't think I could do it, which is odd because I'm like in the world of like theater and like you know make believe theater. 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 Fuck <laughs> everyone. Everyone's theater. <laughs> no, it's the- oh. theater. Everyone has a go with how I pronounce theater. Theater. 
Right. In that place Sorry. where you do plays and shit. With the theatre. You're theatrical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Theatrical yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Whereas I, that's like a big part of my world. But then for that, I could not get into at all. Because it's not theatre. It's not theatrical on a play. Licence, though. I think it's more of a platform to people to run around and pretend that they are that character from... Um, World of Warcraft. Do you um, think it's escapism? But, as well? Yeah, great. You know, I think if I did it, I'd be kind of all kind of Leroy Jenkins on it yeah. and turn around and just kind of run around and just twat everyone with my, my big yeah. plastic sword and then just run around like a boss. Yeah. Um, where everyone else is looking out at me like, I'm, oh, you just ruined the Dragon's Guild. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to have to kick you out and, you know, you're not allowed to be in a LARP group anymore. And I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to start my own and it's going to be kick ass. <laughs> But surely that's what happens, isn't it? Does that know what happens? Where really is it the whole that? Okay, so you cast a spell on somebody, or that if you like chop a leg off, and if someone says, "Ah, no, you didn't actually get me. No, you just no, you didn't you get just, me." It's yeah, just, it's just like kids, isn't it? Yeah, but that's I what don't I mean. know. But I can't that take it isn't. Seriously. But I've heard stories of that's what it's like. That it really is. Like, oh no, you, no, you didn't actually cut off my leg. You, you just grazed me. <laughs> you just you, you missed me. No, yeah. I didn't. Yes, you did. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. You Precisely. Did. And that's why I can't get into it, that whole that then you would have to really you really have to like immerse yourself into that and I take it that seriously I think maybe I think it's to take it seriously I could I, I think I quite like to do it yeah. in uh, a, like a quite a, a not in purposefully not take it seriously right would be quite fun be quite like fourth wall breaking with it yeah yeah if you're talking about the theatre <laughs> um, <laughs> no, okay well talking about the um, you know fear and all that is yeah, that yeah, you've done a spot of acting. As well, uh, yes, a lot more than I kind of let on. Um, I had um, uh, when I was, I think, my first time when I went on the stage, I was about four. Mm. Um, I used to do a lot of Amdram, a lot of Amdram, probably a little bit too much Amdram, and I managed to keep it a secret for most of my friends and peers throughout secondary school. Um, All right, and I think I did my last. Purposely? Well, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, For any particular reason? What, well, embarrassment? Yeah, or? so I used to be a member of something called the Colleton Raleigh Amateur Players. Right. It's the best acronym ever. <laughs> yeah, they they lost the amateur players, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I refused to, to let it go. Um, and I guess it was just the thing that my mum my did whilst... Uh, it's something just to keep us entertained, and which is good. You know, that's, that's good parenting. Well, so she was involved herself? or uh, Not so much in the it? acting point of view. She would do more of the kind of uh, backstage stuff, mm. makeup, costumes, that type of stuff. Whereas we kind of do it. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of, there's a sense of freedom of running around on the stage in a pair of tights, prancing around, being a bit of a knob. And, and I, I kind of really enjoyed it. And uh, I kind of became more aware that the fact it wasn't that much of a cool thing to be doing. Right. And I think I did my last one at 17, 16 mm. or 17, where I absolutely knew that it was not cool. It was not cool. I played Man Friday. I blacked up and everything. Yeah, I know. So that would really? have been, that would have been around ninety six, ninety seven. I actually black. Well, I say it was. It wasn't. I wasn't like. It wasn't like a black and white minstrel. I wasn't Al Jolson, you yeah. know, with the big kind of red thing around my face and the white eyes. Right. But I had a lot of fake tan on. I looked like something out of Towie, probably a little bit more on the orange <laughs> side. You know what I'm saying? But like with a little skimpy loincloth on and my hair in a ponytail. Dude, he's, he's kind of mock Jamaican accent, trying to be Man Friday and trying to sing like that as well. And this, wow. is, under, this is absolutely under direction from a kind of small village amateur dramatic society yeah. that people took it so seriously. Like the LARPing, I think there was a part of me now that still was that kind of 
just not taking it seriously and just kind of going with how ridiculous it is. Right. As opposed to the people who take it so seriously. Yeah. It's just like, this is all they do. This is what they live for from year to year is their amateur action. Yeah. Amateur dramatics production to, um, you know, show everybody. It's hugely important to people. Well, you know what? It's, It's tin gods. People literally, they're just delusions of grandeur. Yeah. And I think when... I kind of knew that you were into theatre and we went to see the stuff with the um, coffee house players. Um, yeah. Just kind of brought it all flooding back. That kind of, my my script writing's better than your script writing. You know, I it's got to be my way, it's got to be your way. And it yeah. was really reminiscent Did of, you realise that, did you? Did you were you aware absolute, of that? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Throughout I, all thought, I thought you were very, you kind of just held yourself out. You certainly didn't talk about it. No. You, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I quite enjoyed and sitting back and watching, <laughs> yeah, watching everyone else kind of getting the tiz about it. It, it is true. Yeah. And um, yeah. but the difference there being is that I would call it yes, an amateur, very amateur group. But then <laughs> very, also, a very amateur, a very amateur. Group. Yeah, that was very tactfully put. You should get into politics. <laughs> Sold. 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 Um, but it, it was also it was a social group. There's the difference Absolutely. as well. That's the thing. So when because you have amateur groups who are very good, but it is solely for the play, the show, the production, the whatever they put on, and there yeah. isn't really they, they socialize as well. But it was more for just the hang. Yeah, thing, and it's know? nice to it's nice to be around people that you wouldn't normally be who yeah. aren't. You do have, everyone has that kind of creative element to them. Mm. You know, some appreciation of theatre, and I love I love going to see the theatre. I think the last thing I went to go and watch was King Lear down at the Minot Theatre mm. with, with my half. Wow, it was that? fantastic. Yeah. And I, I like culture. I like going to see stuff on a stage. I like to go and see bands. I like to see st- performance. I, I really I love that element of it. But it's it's the people who take themselves so seriously yeah. that like... The lovies. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even just the lovies. It's just like you're almost a step removed from that, that... That you know that where you where you pull your fingers down over your face and you're, you're like in the zone, oh, and like taking it's like method acting and stuff. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, come on, fuck off! Just just you're reading shit from a script that someone mm. else has written, yeah. and you just have to perform it. Mm. Luckily, when I did it, it was like basically I was performing like a drunkard right. and kind of like splash of Ollie Reed and yeah, kind of a half a dash of Saturday night and, <laughs> and just try and kind of embellish on the character, but the character was ridiculous. So, so that, was there a sense me, of was, um, uh, mimicry. <laughs> um, I think. I think when it comes to, I, I joke about method acting. I think I've been pissed enough times to know <laughs> that you know how drunk people behave, or how enough that how people perceive how drunk people behave. It was hammy. It was supposed to be hammy. Yeah, you were directed to be to be hammy. No, I kind of. Well, I just, I, 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 I just kind of did my own thing, and everyone said that's okay. So kind of roll with it. And mm. as much as I kind of hate it I love it at the same time because it's just like yeah look at everyone me I've got a jug of pretend piss that I'm throwing over the fr- over, yeah. over the over the front audience I remember so, yeah, yeah well, you actually uh, drenched the front row which, I remember which which was great and I, I was like yeah this is great fun and they're thinking oh my god what is that orange stuff in that jar is it actually <laughs> yeah. piss is he drinking his own piss who knows um, <laughs> you know it was just Barocca you know but mind you just to of, clarify yeah. could have been Barocca that had been drunk about 12 hours earlier <laughs> Who would know? <laughs> and it's it's great. Has a mass should have a massive part in our society where people still do that, and the just the encouragement of being in the arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which I feel some people just kind of you get out of school and you just kind of lose that, and like amateur dramatics or, or in your case, so you were put off by it. Um, 
I wasn't so much put off by it. I just was very kind of aware that it wasn't a cool thing to do. Yeah. So I didn't do it. So just due to your peers then? That it was more of a... Well, not even if it was to my peers, it was just my kind of perception on how I thought that they would react as oh, opposed okay. to how they would react. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and it didn't come up until quite a few years later. It was in fact, at, um, at possibly, this is like something out of a script. It was my dad's funeral. Right. And... Uh, someone was doing a bit of a speech about my old man and talking about the family and stuff and and about how they how we'd met and we met through this amateur dramatics thing and obviously mm. my friends are coming they were very supportive saying that you know you know and he was talking about my time in amateur dramatics and when i dressed up at king rat and my friend of mine just burst out to laughter at the back of the, thi- the back of the thing and went <laughs> and i'm like yeah fuck it the cat's out of the bag yeah and was a great distraction for the day but, but it had been almost kind of say nearly kind of a good 15 years since I'd done amateur matches that I managed to keep it a secret from my peer group almost to the fact that I'd completely forgotten yeah Um, and then it kind of brought it back that actually you know what I really did keep a secret but why why did I feel that it was ashamed Mm. that I was ashamed of it or should should, should people be like oh this isn't a cool thing to do but I like it but I'm not going to do it because it's not cool I think at that age yeah I think there is I think there's a lot of things it was was the opposite for me is sport it was I knew I was really good at football. I, mm. I'm, you know, I'm not bad at all. But it was something to do with the, with the people. Maybe it's just down to the school, you know, and the and the, those kind of pupils that it was. But I I didn't want to be associated with it. I did not want. To, I went the completely opposite way. I went more into drama mm. than sport. Um, and I was more encouraged to go into the football lark rather than the actual uh, the stage lark and things like that. But then there was upbringing as well, and obviously you know my family yeah. were involved in in it all as well. So there was a sense of well, not pressure, but there was a I wanted to impress him, so that's why I went yeah. down that route. But it was also equally due to the, the amount of, uh, the, the kind of people that were doing the sports like they were just dicks. They were just horrible, horrible fucking guys. And I didn't want to be part of it. It was just nice to be involved in something and meet other people and just a hang time. Yeah, for, to hang for the hang. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know that's that's a big thing about like do, doing anything in a performance space where you have to kind of rehearse stuff and you do that. It's it's as much as spending time with people. Mm. Same as being in bands. It's it's, it's you spend time with people mm. and you you develop a friendship from that. And the performance is almost for me is always almost been sort of a separate thing than the hanging. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's like that for everybody, but no, no. Um, but then, so was it then? So the the, the music side of things, because primarily you you're a uh, guitarist, but you can play basically any instrument that you they put in front of you. Uh, I can make noise come out of it. Whether I can play it or not is a different matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was it at that time of where you kind of turned your back on the 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 performance side or the like the theatre side and stuff like that theatre side, <laughs> side you got me doing it now you bastard um, did you then it was that at that point that you went into music or were you um, already playing before then no I kind of it, it's really ironic I think my step into music was was really accidental I, I started playing guitar 15 maybe 16 because it was the cool thing to do because yeah. everyone else was doing it so it was uh, <laughs> and it was I, 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 I distinctly remember it uh, there was a couple of guys in my tutor group who had started to play guitar and I thought yeah that's a cool thing to do these guys uh, I kind of regard these guys as friends so yeah I thought I'd do the same thing mm-hmm. and you know picked up a guitar started actually getting quite into it and um, did it take you long to uh, be competent? Yeah, because there was there a moment, as I remember when I was 
starting to play bass and learning how to play bass mm. and it was just oh this is horrific and a bedroom player until I suddenly realised I went oh I can actually you know I can, I'm actually a very very solid player now I can, or at least I can know that I can play with the band or I can play with others yeah was that like that for you absolutely or? not I still don't feel like that now I still I'm really very, yeah I'm very conscious of my musical ability I don't think it's I, I genuinely contrary to what anyone tells me or how I think about myself mm. I think about, I feel I think I'm very average very kind of beige when it comes to being a musician I, I, really? str- and I strongly believe that I, but that's yeah okay. that, that's just me and that maybe that's a confidence thing um mm. And then I have glimmers of when I'm performing and thinking, yeah, I'm the fucking dog's danglers. Yeah. I am the best thing ever. You're a guitar yeah, player. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, by nature. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah, you're in the pocket and you're, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're there. In the zone and I'm loving it. And you know what? It's as much for me enjoying what I'm doing as it is to see people other, other people enjoy it. And that's mm. great. That kind of period of like, I think I spent about my first two, like six months of... Um, learning guitar and realizing that I tuned it completely incorrectly, and it was why is it sounding so weird? Or it sounds quite cool. Or yeah, I'm just gonna go with that. And during this period, kind of like guys I'd known have got like electric guitars, and I still have my mum's old three quarter size nylon classical that mm. was is still at home. And yeah, uh, is that what you learned on? Yeah, and uh, but I didn't learn classical. I was just kind of got, no, but you learned got, on a yeah, I learned on a three-quarter size classical guitar. Fuck, that's difficult. Well, I didn't know any different. It's just kind of yeah, just picking exactly, up. And yeah. it, it's just, I did what I did and I read what was in the book and I kind of made noise come out of it and mm. it sounded like something. Dis- I, kind of around the same time, we'd all discovered kind of grunge and that kind of 90 sound. So and like time, N- yeah. Nirvana. And it was the fantastic kind of level to learn songs mm. and be able to play a whole song because, you know, Kurt Cobain by his own admission, was never the world's greatest guitarist. He mm. wasn't George Benson or, no, you know, he, was, he yeah. wasn't um, Steve Vai or mm. he wasn't Jimi Hendrix. He was just playing songs heartfelt. And with heart, with, exactly. Uh, with yeah, passion. Yeah. And, you know, for someone who was learning, it was just about playing playing a fifth chord and being able to play songs and just, just kind of knocking out Polly or playing about a girl. Yeah. And I think I drove my parents insane <laughs> by just playing the E minor to the G. Dun, yeah. Na, 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 na. For like a good six months, it was it was really empowering, mm. and being able to perform songs, and then got really into the kind of grunge thing, and like that, just just the kind of gloominess, and then yeah. like that, and then like obviously you had like the 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 Ying to Nirvana's Yang was like Pearl Jam, and they were like really polished, say, accomplished musicians. Yeah. And Ten was such a starkly <laughs> different album to mm. like to like Nevermind and Incesticide, and that's what I think is what is very crucial what shapes you as a musician yeah is that at that time it's obviously it's due to who you hang around with you know if you're in a band or if you know it's a um, you know it's a big orchestra or something like that whatever instrument that you play yeah. the influences that you have and that's an incredibly crucial time an important and fun time yeah when you're discovering all these new bands or all these new people or musicians as well and that's what I think maybe I was very lucky with the people that when I got into a first band that they were just they were throwing CDs at me saying listen to this listen to this listen to this fantastic which just opens your world into so many different uh, styles and genres and things like yeah. that was that like that for you as well or were you using no. more self discovery um, I don't think I, 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 I still to this day I don't think I actually find stuff that someone else hasn't listened to first right. or someone says oh you should check this out um, even now even, even now, now for all well, this amount of time even now yeah people go oh, 
friends of mine bands people I play with people I jam with will turn around and say oh man if you checked out this band mm. check out their Spotify playlist and I'm like I don't use Spotify yeah, it's, like, yeah. I'm like I'm gonna have to find it on YouTube stepping it back to like the 90s it was all about mixtapes yeah, yeah. you know oh, that was great and you just get like uh, like my mate Rich who from like I'd, I'd say uh, I'd have to guess I'd say probably about 10 people in my year group started playing guitar mm. um and like a couple of bands formed out of it. And I was like quite late to the party on that sense. Hmm. So I was kind of playing and playing and playing. And like all these guys were checking out like the grunge stuff. And then like Britpop arrived and like yeah. Oasis. <laughs> and like, and, and Blur and like guys like Radiohead, who still hmm. I think like are just the, the most, best, yeah. one of the best bands to come out of England ever. Absolutely, yeah. Were, yeah. were like still kind of very much in their kind of. And Establish themselves. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think people were just feeding me a lot of music and I just like completely, I got completely obsessed with Nirvana mm. and I bought all the albums, all the like the Peel sessions yeah, yeah, yeah. and I got them like, I didn't, well I said I bought them, I just got people to copy me tapes and right. like copies of copies of copies and like real terrible quality and mm. I like all the outcest aside, all the like the, the bootlegs and yeah, all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stuff and I just like literally just got completely obsessed with it, mm. you know, had had the kind of the, the obligatory bob undercut type thing. Oh, even the, the, the short style. Yeah, yeah, the short sleeve over the sh- over the long sleeve and the mm. pair of Converse and the ripped jeans and it kind of became a cookie cutter of everyone else from the nineties. Playing, getting into bands and stuff. I, I, the first band I joined, I, I didn't even play guitar in because there was I was just on the outside because there wasn't enough. They didn't you know they didn't want to have three guitarists or four guitarists right. or have you know we weren't living skinned. Um, or <laughs> uh, uh, the Eagles, but um, there was. So did you pick up the bass? Yeah. So um, yeah. they kind of what's the what the fuck are they called Amber, mm. and it was like with some some of my still some of my closest friends. Uh, my was Rich was playing. Uh, Dave was playing rhythm guitar, and they had a guy called Ian playing bass, and a guy called Harry playing drums, and this guy called Tom who was singing. He was he was fucking awful. But it's a right passage though. It's something which you have to go through. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, the more I got into it, the kind of thought, actually, you know, I really like guitar. I mm. really, I'm actually kind of actually really enjoying this. And I kind of started to kind of move in towards different stuff. And I think anyone who plays guitar, if you can, if you can play guitar and avoid listening to guys like Clapton and Hendrix mm. and like Jeff Beck or Santana or Gary Moore, all those kind of, kind of like that great first generation British kind of, yeah. well, obviously Hendrix, even though he's influential type. Yeah, yeah, influential yeah. guitarists, you kind of, you can't miss them. No, uh, no absolutely not. And I kind of like, I, uh, I think it was my neighbour turned around and said he was getting really pissed off with me playing about a girl and he dropped round to me the, uh, on cassette the best of Eric Clapton uh, on tape and I, I listened to the first half of that tape till it till I wore it out and it was all his early all the early stuff with Cream and um, like the Yardbirds wow and, and your neighbour did that yeah how and fucking cool is well, that? Yeah, well, I th- you thought that was great. You know, I, I, I was at the time. Was at like, the time, that, you don't. Yeah, yeah and I, I still love it to this day. That the, the live recording of Cream doing Crossroads. It's like an old Robert Johnson blues track, mm. and they're they're, up, they're they're they were teenagers at the time, and yeah. it's absolutely out of this world. Yeah, it's like they're moving, shifting in and out of tempo. Yeah, um, everyone's playing kind of solo lead parts, and this is a kind of jumbled mm. mess. And I'm just like 
from listening to the kind of real regimented kind of sound of, of Nirvana, which was just chords, and it was just like a bulldozer of sound with like mm. Grohl just actually laying out like the best drums ever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. To to this kind of free, unconstrained kind of mm. three chord trick with just like just mind blown. So moving from Nirvana into those kind of things, did you have an immediate understanding of it? No. Or Absolutely. was it a like holy fuck? Because a lot of people in that position will go. Well, fuck it. There's no point. I'm not going to bother. If if it's oh shit, I cannot do that. Was that any part of your mentality at that time? No, it never even kind of. Did it just push you even further? Do well, you know, that's what it, I do. it wasn't even a conscious push. It was just kind of. I listened to stuff like that and thought, oh, that's cool. How do they do that? And so you just went and did it, and just kind of <laughs> trained my ear to be able to pick out licks and yeah. like, just learn stuff parrot fashion. Like, um, do you read music by the way? Uh, very badly. I can record. Um, I kind of, I, I know, I've taught myself over the yeah. years enough about theory yeah. and chordal progression and how to record so that I can, I can do it. And, and I've ear trained myself well enough to be able to kind of get away with it a little bit. Listen, so if someone says, "Right, I need you to learn this song for for yeah. whatever reason, for covers or something like that," so yeah. you would be able to just pick it up by ear. Uh, almost, yeah. Um, couple, not last weekend. Weekend gone. I depth a gig for my friend Matt Gardner. Mm. Um, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys are into kind of music and mental health around musicians, you should check out his thing called Project Linebacker. It's really interesting, really interesting insight that that kind of around music and mental health and just people's well-being. Mm. You should just go and check it out. It's really cool. Um, yeah, we'll link it. Cool. It's he said, "Oh, can you dap a gig for me?" And I said, "Like, yeah, yeah, cool, no problem." It'll be, and I'm thinking, "Yeah, it'll be good." Bit of stretch and challenge. Yeah. That's the educational type of terms coming out now. <laughs> stretch and challenge. So right. learn stuff. And uh, like listen to some songs and kind of being able to pick out most of it by ear. He wrote me out a few charts for stuff. We played at, um, and I can't for the love of me remember who originally performed the song. The track's called California Soul. And it's got this kind of, oh, yeah. it's like okay. strings and brass. Right. And there's no guitar in it anywhere. Okay. And, and he says, oh yeah, we're going to do this one. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's no guitar in it. And I, he gave me the charts and we're just going through it. And it's just the most complicated sodding thing ever. But yeah. you, with a bit of dedication and practice and learning, you do it. And mm. I kind of, it's the same application constantly throughout. If you want to perform something you want to do, you have to put in the kind of bit of time and spend some time listening and doing it. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Um, and having that kind of self-taught knowledge around like chord structure and stuff is really, it's not essential to being a musician, but if you want to perform other people's songs and do it well it kind of really it's really helpful but take- well, in any form of progression it's helpful isn't it surely yeah because I know musicians who are in well known semi-famous bands and mm. they don't know a, a, a standard scale and it's and not it, absolutely it's not I mean taking it back to like Mr Cobain he'd never mm. actually be able to tell you what well, I'm assuming if he was still alive, I'm sure he'd probably prove us wrong that he was secretly a musical genius and decided yeah, to really. do what he wanted to do. But busting out of chords and not knowing what the key of everything was in, mm. or just kind of just kind of blagging it really. And so many great musicians can do that, and especially with guitar because it's such a practical instrument. You don't need mm. that. You don't. You don't need to have music to be able to perform. No, it just gets to a certain point where you want to kind of stretch yourself and grow that mm. it, it, it's kind of I, I found it it's kind of necessary to help 
sort of open those boxes that you kind of you get yourself into like this little box and you have to kind of try and step outside it i'm not talking like playing outside the box in jazz and stuff i, th- I think that then that goes with experience and again i think that falls in, in between when you're being influenced by other people or suggesting contrary to like almost everyone in my year group no one was kind of into that kind of into clapton and then I did the obligatory thing where you actually find out your parents were quite cool at one point. Mm. And I was um, watching my favourite film of all time, which was Dune. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frank Herbert's Dune with um, David Lynch directed, Carl McLaughlin, Patrick Stewart, Sting, yeah. kicking ass, looking looking distinctly terrifying pretty yeah. much throughout the whole film. Mm. Um and after it, completely by accident, it was like a late night on Channel 4, I'd recorded it and let the videotape spool over and it had Hendrix live at the Isle of Wight on it. Oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah. wow, this, uh, this, so this is Jimmy Hendrix, having never really kind of seen him perform or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but heard and, of. Yeah, yeah and yeah. obviously like going into like the Hendrix on record to then Hendrix in a live performance, it's, yeah. it's like chalk and cheese. Yeah. And it's clearly off his tits because he's gurning pretty much throughout the whole thing. Mm. But some of the some of the stuff that was coming out was just mind bending, and I was pro- I think I must have been fifteen or sixteen, and Mum casually walks into the lounge and I'm like blaring some Hendrix out. She said, "Oh, what's that? Are you watching uh, Hendrix live at the Isle of Wight?" I said, "Oh yeah, both me and your dad were there," and I'm like, "What? Really? They were there for the Isle of Wight?" Yeah, they were at the Isle of Wight festival, not together but separately. Wow! And uh, it's kind of like oh, I know. That's cool. Oh no, does this make this uncool because my parents were in Oh, really? And then thought, oh, well, it can't be because I, I, I know that this is good. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of delved into their music, well, dad's music collection predominantly. He was like, he was a big Clapton fan. Yeah. I love guys like kind of Ry Kuda and even to like ELO. I think that that's fucking cool, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. Referring back to that, that of how, because that was when I was introduced to a queen by my mum. And things like that. She listed this. Yeah. She, she put on Bohemian Rhapsody, and that was it. I was gone. That was it. I was, you know, on, on the moon. Yeah, it's a nice people. connection that you can kind of, like, yeah. develop and from that. I kind think of from stuff. that point, I got quite a big connection from my old man because it's just love of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was a real big thing that we had in common. Just like I introduced him to like bands like Gomez. Do you remember? Gomez? Oh, yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I introduced my dad to Def- Jeff Buckley, and my right. dad loved Jeff Buckley. Yeah. And yeah. as much as that's not something you'd expect, you kind of. Mm. 50, 60 year old man to listen to yeah. he absolutely loved it he, uh, there's this instrumental track called Kangaroo he did that's just got this really repetitive section over the end he loved it absolutely loved it and I remember him playing it quite a, like quite a lot yeah uh, there's yeah. something which you which you said which um, hard, is, is hard to define but my uh, so your mum came in and saw you uh, watching Hendrix yeah and then you had that oh it's this cause it's not but I know it's good yeah where do you think that comes from? How do you, how do you, is there a possible way that you can define that you know that it's good? I think for me, I think with music, it's, it's an emotional thing and you get that emotional response from it. And mm. I think sometimes listening to a record isn't enough. True. Yeah. Es- yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. maybe stuff from that kind of era. It's about the immersiveness of a performance. Yeah, kind of and uh, again with like a game with great acting, you can watch something, you can watch a film, mm. or you can watch uh, a recording of a stage play. Yeah, but going to see it and being able to connect with someone who's mm. performing in any way, yeah. whether it's spoken word poetry, 
um, stand up comedy, anything mm. you need to, you, it's that connection yeah. that, that's so important. So, do you think it's um, being there at that time? Do you think it's do you, is it atmospheric? Is it down to that somebody like a performer who can pick up on the vibe of the audience or pick up on the vibe of you know the, the era at that time? I, like I, th- that. I think it's not so much about the vibe of the audience. I think kind of those guys with the experience were just like. They were just, they were just absolutely in their in their own world of performance, yeah. yeah. And it was it was orchestrated to a point, but there was this just this wonderful freedom with, with it that you just mm. don't get anymore. You don't get that kind of free movement within the modern music that we listen to. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing; it's just different. Yeah. But that you- kind of that having listened to that quite regimented like kind of songs and stuff like starts and finish and like verse chorus verse chorus, chorus so finish formulaic yeah, like, yeah, yeah the stuff and then like watching in the same way of watching Hendrix live at the Isle of Wight watching Nirvana doing Live Tonight sold out mm. and that they're kind of they're just that the, the, the thrashy energy of a live performance they're like not that I'd ever do it because I'm I'm tight, I, but like, smashing up your instruments and yeah. just that kind of just that real intensity mm. comes across, and I think that that really I had that kind of like wow, this isn't about just playing in your bedroom. This is about getting out and performing it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that kind of step from Amdram and understanding that being on the stage and performing something is is it's quite mm. exciting. It's it's you know you get that rush from it, yeah. and it is addictive. So then, actually, hugely addictive. Yeah. So yeah. like doing it with a with a, with an instrument in hand that isn't about memory. It's just about kind of pouring your your, your emotions into your playing, heart and soul. To be yeah. cliche about it, but it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is a little cliche, but no, but it's, but it's it, cliche it, for a reason because it's exactly true. exactly so, yeah. So do you? Is that something which you experience regularly? Oh no. You know. Because I was about to say, because there have been, been in bands myself, there's only been one hand I could count how many times where it was that so in the pocket and where your gear's not fucking up. The, <laughs> the, the sound is amazing. Yeah. Everybody is playing their fucking hearts out. The crowd are, you know, with you yeah. rather than... Because there's a Observing. difference where... Yeah, because there are some, I think, where a band or a performer can command an audience i think that they have they have the ability to sway the way that they that they can feel yeah. which is a skill in itself mm. but then there's a difference of being connected with an audience and say look communicate yeah commu- yes yeah great word yeah communicate that of this is how i feel and this is the emotion or the, the, yeah. the part of what i'm putting into my performance whatever it may be yeah do you get that uh i, I have you very had that? very few and far between so in the great shakes of playing and stuff, I had a, a, an amazing fortune of being able to go out and play in America, and I was really. I was re- going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and obviously, I, I like. I started. I joined. I played in bands, and I played in like a covers band, uh, doing little bits of original stuff. And I did my first recording. I think I must have been about seventeen. Right. Uh, with a band called the Magic Slippers, Magic with a K. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, I was, yeah. So I, I was, um, I think I was 16, 17, just kind of just did some original stuff, played a lot of covers, played a few gigs, and with like a bunch of guys who were learning to uh, teach at uh, Roll College, which is the old uh, teaching practice, teaching place over at um, Exmouth. 
the old uh, Plymouth University campus. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, with guys who were, like, sort of in their first and second year at uni. Mm. So it was kind of great being, like, that young and not being 18 and hanging out with guys a lot older than you and playing gigs. And it was just, like, for me, it was, like, the coolest thing ever. Mm. And um, as opposed to studying at A-levels, I was much rather hanging out and getting pissed with uni students, which was great fun. And I'd had that experience and then that kind of had kind of sadly come to a close and people had kind of moved on and gone to uni and done their own thing. And I, I, I still played a lot, but kind of wasn't gigging a lot at that point. Mm. And we're still digging the kind of Hendrix, the blues, a lot of the, more of the blues kind of vibe. Mm. And my parents had met this um, harmonica player called Kent Markle. Who was teaching English as a foreign what language? A name. Kent Markle. Wow, yeah. that's like a private detective. No? Well, he was American. Yeah. Kind of six foot four, kind of long hair, good swimmer, bit of a dude. Hmm. Um, in both senses of the meaning of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they said, right, you're coming out for Christmas. We've met this guy. Maybe come up, and meet and jam. And he was like hardcore R and B, blues, soul man that's right. what he was into okay and he was the most phenomenal harmonica player um kind of and turned me on to like a complete vibe of like the american blue scene not mm. the british kind of cream and that kind of like yardbirds with jimmy page yeah. Jeff beck and those yeah. guys like bb king buddy guy yeah. albert king oh so the new orleans type well just like just like just like the whole massive first generation electric blues yeah. players yeah uh t-bone walker like oh, the, God, these, yeah, these, yeah. just these these guys who were just pioneers of yes. electric guitar playing mm. and like that um jam hang out and we we cut a couple of tracks with a shitty drum machine and a, and a, and a cassette four track and he had bass and a shitty like pv solid state amp and i managed to blag um and ironically a white uh, <laughs> SG for those uh, yeah I have a partnership for white guitars we just we, we we made some blues tracks and he said you know what man this is this is actually great you're an amazing guitarist um, I used to hang out on the on the east coast in the states uh, playing with a load of guys out there there's a great scene down there it's like the whole kind of where the Allman Brothers guys come from and mm. like Marshall Tucker and it's like I'm like he's just dropping names I'm like oh, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about yeah. but he said look Next year, like kind of uh, January time, come to the States. So I was like, okay. Did you believe him at the time? And I'm like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I was just thinking, yeah, okay, this is, this sounds, this sounds amazing. But like, this is, yeah, this is just, it'll, this it'll is pie in the sky. Yeah. Um, and we stayed in contact via email. And How old were you about this time when this happened? Um, I would have been, when I met him, I would have been 19. And by the time oh, I okay. got to the States, I was... It was, uh, I was 20. Yeah. So there was still that innocence type of that yeah. could happen because the more sceptical you get as you get older. Is yeah. Like, this is bullshit. Um, if I'm honest, I, I am and I was then very, very naive as mm. a human being. I still am a little bit naive now. I just don't let anyone know. Oh, I've just published it over the internet. <laughs> is it, no, is it, yeah, well, is that naivety or is that, that? Green, I think is the good word to describe it. it was okay. Green. Yeah. I hadn't lived. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This is amazing. Mm. And I never thought anything of it. And we stayed in contacts and then just said, okay, so I'm going to be on the East Coast between like January and April in 2001. So come join me. So that Christmas came, my parents bought me a ticket 
Right. Uh, it's my Christmas present, which I was just kind of, oh shit, this is actually going to happen now. Fuck, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I handed my notice at my job. I was working in a bar and I went. And uh, I, I took a bag full of pedals and took my last pool with me and just, we went over. And I'm like, Fucking fuck. Hell. On the flight on my way over, just like, I'm not really sure what to do. I mean, this guy, this guy turned me on, like I'd mm. ab- abjectly refused to kind of get on board with it was Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay. And right. it's like, yeah, I'm kind of all about Hendrix and Cream and Clapton. Yeah, fuck Zeppelin. They're fucking rock, man. <laughs> and it, uh, such as such as young people do. Uh, yeah. And he gave me Led Zeppelin 1 and I just went, oh, okay. So maybe I've been a little bit silly. <laughs> he gave me this tape and I'm just like, wow. And it's this, it's different. It was different. It didn't have that freedom that Cream or, or mm. Hendrix or like Santana or those guys that I'd listened to. It didn't have that. It was it was songs, but it was that yeah. mix of that kind of just that power that I remember from Nirvana. Yeah, and that that kind of that still with the shreddy like shreddy guitar solos, rawness, and, and the mm. massive vocals and the fucking huge drum sound. Yeah, again, oh, this guy sounds a bit like Dave Grohl. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I went, he gave me this, the most ridiculous set list. I think it was like about 50 songs and we sat down and we kind of worked out the structures. And by this time I'd kind of got myself down with understanding like, uh, like what a one, four, five is or, Mm. or like a a 16 bar blues is and learning, like listening to guys like Peter Green, like the Fleetwood Mac that I know and love, not. Your rumours, not saying yeah. that Lindsay Buckingham's a shit guitarist, because he's not, <laughs> but it's like, he's not Peter Green. Legendary. You're very careful not to offend anyone. Well, you, you know offended. what? Everyone has a different opinion, and I don't think anything's shit. Mm. I just, if I don't like it, it doesn't mean it's bad. No. Uh, I just, maybe I should go into politics, I don't know. Fuck, <laughs> we could start around pie. Yeah. yeah. We get bored within a week. Oh, possibly <laughs> but yes so you yeah okay so you got this whole fuck off so yeah a huge sadness. thing it's like like some soul and like like tracks like land of a thousand dances and some james brown mm. and then like some bb king stuff and even like some like some fleetwood mac was in there and there was like some hendrix in there and like we did like just like he just we'll just we'll just learn the set and like mm. he sang and played was a, was a very competent bass player we found a drummer and just started turning up to these open mics and it's not like an open mic like you get here. Take it more seriously over there. Well, no, it's, it's, it's open everywhere. Every, every music venue, every musician I met was, it wasn't this sense of ego. It Mm. was this sense of community. And it was, it was frightening because over here, I remember like, just like playing in bands and like I remember doing like a battle of bands down the cavern at 17 with the magic slippers mm. and um with it, was, ca- it, was, with it was less cap. magic slippers more tragic kippers to be honest <laughs> it was it was fucking awful because it was just like new metal was around and and it was just like yeah. we were playing kind of just songs yeah and just being really kind of fr- everyone being fucking frosty and because we weren't playing we weren't playing the cool songs and weren't in the cool it's crowd it wasn't popular cool yeah and I was just like, oh, right, I feel really uncomfortable here. Mm. And to go in there and where everybody's just like, yay, man, you're from America. Uh, you're mm. from England. Let's fucking talk music, man. Let's chat. And I'm like, these guys are wow. like, I met some amazing musicians out there. Mm. Uh, um, we just, everywhere you go, they'd say, hey, man, do you want to come and sit in for a few numbers? All right. Yeah. What are we playing? 
Oh, we, we'll, we'll just play this in, in, in B. B's the key. It's a one four five, or it's a one with a one two seven three turn around, and I'm like, ah, fuck, yeah. and just get up and do it, and yeah. it's just like, okay, I'm just going to do my thing, and if people like it, that's great, and everyone was super supportive, and it was like a massive educational experience. We got like residencies in clubs, and like you go and see, you go and see bands in the UK, and they'll play usually like a two forty five minute slot. Yeah, yeah. Um, between like nine and eleven mm. in the states, it's a four-hour gig. Is it really? It's a four-hour show. You play wow, fifty minutes on, ten minutes off for four hours. And fuck me, it was yeah. brutal. I gave myself tendonitis in about the first month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. was because you just I'm just wasn't used to playing no, that for yeah. that amount of time yeah. and having to keep yourself sharp and like that and my I was just an absolute I was about to say the actual the fucking muscle memory you got to have um, yeah it was it was hard wow. it was it was it's all about cutting your teeth absolutely and that's, that's what it was all about for me that's like I, I, I would not be the musician I am today yeah were it not for that experience and I am very grateful and sadly I found out uh, about a year or two ago that, that Kent passed away Seem, I'm not trying to paint a picture that I end on bad terms with most musicians I gig with, but it right. was kind of we'd we'd had a kind of a weird ending, and like after three months we kind of lived in this little condo yeah. on like by condo basically it was like a bed sit with a kitchen yeah, yeah. and a shower room on A1A and Beachfront Avenue in Daytona Beach as in Vanilla Ice A1A <laughs> Beachfront Avenue I fucking lived there man I lived there I lived on A1A Beachfront Avenue. Holy fuck. Yeah, spring ex spring break capital of America. <laughs> yeah. I, I was there. I was living I was literally I was living the dream. And I was just like Fucking hell. Yeah, this was amazing. So we got a residency. At, at that time some, did you did you recognise that though? Absolutely we, no fucking idea. I was just flying by the seat of my pants, just going, I'm just gonna play. I just gonna do play. I'm told, I'm gonna rock uh, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. play the gigs, see the bands meet as many people as possible mm. and just see what the fuck happens. Yeah. And I had, I had no agenda for being there apart from wanting to play guitar and learn every fucker, absolutely every place, every venue I went to, people paid attention to what music was going on. Yeah. And they, they engaged with it. They got, they danced, they cheered, they clapped, they got on the tables mm. and it was like every night was the best gig of your life. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do when mm. you, you're there and you turn up to play a gig and people stand there in front of the crowd with their arms crossed, looking at you like, come on, impress me. Yeah. There was yeah. none of that. Yeah. It was just like the ego was removed. It yeah. wasn't ego. It wasn't like, I'm fucking better than you. And then, to be fair, there were a couple of douchebags who were like that. As but they were, the, they were absolutely the minority. Yeah. Uh, it's just a completely just different way of life. It is. In and it was. I mean, I, fuck knows, it's been 15 years since I've been there. Mm. So it may be completely but, different. But um, you can talk about it with anything now. You can look into, again, into performance. You hear how many people that go over and work on Broadway, for example, and that how they are they're so appreciative. Because I don't know whether it's that, is it more the, just the understanding of what the performers or the whole production or band or for whatever the entertainment side that they're providing entertainment come and watch this you're, you're, you're paying a ticket to come and see something that they understand of how difficult it is to put together is it that do you think because that over here I think is what is lacking they just think that people in a band rock up and play, play a song they don't, don't see the hard work that goes behind it they don't see the amount of hours 
I, I think I think that's that snap that three month snapshot for me was mm. just seeing how people just didn't really care about how they they were looked at or they were judged. They mm. just wanted to go out and enjoy music and have a fucking good time and have a good and party and have a good time. Yeah. And it was three months of that, and it was fucking hard work. Yeah. It was. Absolute hard work. Like I gave myself my first experience of repetitive strain injury with instruments mm. and and playing. And there was a, there was a bit of drama and stuff where we ended up getting ourselves double booked or uh, stuff like that. And then there was the the, the internal shit where you you just argue occasionally about oh, I don't want to fucking play that song tonight because I don't particularly like it very much. Yeah, it is tiresome. The constant the going out on tour, the rehearsal period learning new bits and whatnot and being surrounded by those same people especially if it's like a four piece three piece whatever that that it sometimes comes down to a clash of personalities or even just person you know personal endeavors that come come into it that you know certain things and some people get bored of it some people don't want to do it anymore bands are funny things so coming back from the states we did it was it like right i'm just gonna go home now well yeah i kind of did i just kind of went home and was just like Right. Okay. Back. Back to normality. Get myself a job again, and just was it of, was it that easy transition? No. I was about to say that must be surely it'd be very jarring. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I, I had no. I kind of like the gigs had dried up, and I was coming home, and my visa was about to run out. So I was just like, okay, so this is over, and mm. I didn't really. I guess I didn't have any direction with what I wanted to do with my time over there. Mm. And as opposed to just coming back and then kicking off a music career over here, it didn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess that standard personal drive, I really spent a lot of time just not knowing what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Mm. Uh, and then landed a gig uh, playing with Cat Williams. Mm. And that's with um, Tom Hill. Yeah. Kind of my musical brethren. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to play guitar. I was just quite happy playing guitar. And I don't, I, I, I think I've come to, to now to realise that I don't care if I don't make a living from music. I just enjoy playing it. You just want to, just to play. Yeah. yeah. And if people enjoy it, that's great. It's just good for me. It's, it's, mm. it, it's, it's Is it therapeutic? Of, it can be. It can be really fucking frustrating um, <laughs> when you feel uninspired and you have no sense of direction, not knowing what to do with it. And mm. I've had moments where I've really been very focused and I've had moments where I've been really unfocused and sadly I'm in one of those kind of I don't really know what I'm doing with music at the moment yeah and I've been like that for a good kind of six months or so and Mm. that's okay it takes a while to get to that point to be able to go it is okay rather than oh yeah what what should I be doing which is a very horrible should's a horrible word it's loaded there's a word loaded with pressure Mm. Um, I think but then being in bands especially when you get to a point where you, you become established so for example 31 yeah, which was a, an incredibly popular band, huge fan base locally. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I uh, think, but even to the point of where, when going further afield, that people um, immediately took to the style of music that Thirty One played. I think that's as much as the way that we behaved and who we were as people. Exactly, as mu- was almost mm. as much as the music. I'd always kind of had the, the connotation that it was my last big kind of drive. Right, okay. I'm getting to a place. So 
uh, probably a bit of history but that would help so Tom and I played with Cat Williams for a good two years and we kind of we spent mm. a fair bit of time in London mm. working with a uh, record label again that kind of came to a close and I was just like in the same place when I came back from the States and just like okay so I'll just kind of go back to a sense of normality and I was just like yeah. actually you know what I, I'd never been in a position where I was writing I'd never been in a position where I was kind of leading I'd always just kind of been a sideman and quite happy with that it's a lot mm. less responsibility you just like okay this is the song and I'm like okay let's arrange a part around that let's play this let's suggest these mm. pushes and pulls here yeah. and okay but then to have a clean slate and be able to go okay well this is what I'm going to do and I've got to thank Tom for that because I hadn't really listened to metal and I used the term metal very loosely mm. I'd liked kind of heavy stuff with grunge, yeah. um, but I'd never really listened to particularly heavy stuff. And I'd known Tom from school, he was the year, year below me at school, and he was like a keen metaler. You know, <coughs> he liked cool music. Yeah. And liked it for the right reasons. It wasn't, he liked it because he liked it. Yeah. It wasn't a star lines thing. It was just no, absolutely not. And music, I really yeah. kind of, we, we get on like a house on fire and mm. we really kind of, clicked doing the cat band stuff and we'd kind of worked on arranging stuff really well together and we just always said like we should really pull our fingers out of our asses and get something together so we did seeing from an outsider's point of view and then obviously then being involved with it as well yeah. at, at a point that how there seemed to be a lot of responsibility on your shoulders as to the the writing or the material of of all the music that it seemed to stem from you and I don't know if I'm in wrong in this, and this might not be included. We we might, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. skip this over. But it's something which I've wanted to ask you for a long time. Is that if it seemed like that there was a sort of reluctance there, or it got to a point of where you were thinking, all right, somebody else come up with something. I want somebody else to be able to, you know, put their oar in. I think, I think for me, it was just a case of I'm really shit at organising anything right i i quite i'm i like to be the side man i like to be quite passive i like to be told where to be and what to do okay and there was no one else in that situation doing it so i kind of fell into that role yeah um and it that makes it sound like i did all the that's not, not true it was no 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 got to the a, a point of feeling really really content with the shit that we were putting out it was it was fucking mega Mm. It was great, and we gigged, and we toured it, and well, I say we didn't really tour it. We just like played a lot of gigs all over the shop, and mm. then re-recorded. What was the reaction to it as well? Um, uh, like the audience reaction and the people that were booking you and things like that. Was there I a- don't, you know what? I don't know. I I feel like I should be more prepared to talk about what it was, but it was it was just it's all kind of really people just liked it, mm. and that was good enough. You know, if people enjoyed what we were doing and we talked to other bands, you had like We The Divide and Backhand and even you guys with Drive Chain. And, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there was a real local, like very close-knit connection, I think, with the, the local community. It got to a point of where everybody was like, yeah, okay, let's just push each other and help each other out. And it was nice. Possible. And that was nice. Yeah. And it was like the, the, the social network kind of grew yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And... I felt it was at that time where social media started to grow though wasn't it with yeah. like the likes of Facebook and, well tra- that transition between MySpace and Facebook yeah know, but, God, take about the MySpace is a lot easier though yeah <laughs> you know I don't so, want to I don't, I don't want to like kind of dwell on it too much because it did you know and as sad as so many bands do it just because kind of fall apart and just because of like you were saying earlier about like people's commitment to stuff mm. 
I ne- I personally never thought that my commitment would waver in that band. You know what? I, I love those guys dearly, and it's a really important part of my life. And I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything that had happened mm. for any of it, and I absolutely wouldn't. And you know, it's just really interesting how band dynamics is dynamics can change mm. massively. But I, and I was like, I was always prepared to ch- accept the dynamic change. Mm. But was never prepared that I my dynamic would change. Yeah, and that my that I was like, you know what? I I had I was, I was in a, a two year relationship and that broke down, and I was kind of like, right, okay, more time to do band stuff, mm. you know. And I changed my career. I was, wasn't working in a bar anymore. I was working as a plasterer. I was I was feeling good. I was looking. I lost a lot of weight, mm. and I was kind of absolutely changed. And I, I just I can't remember when it happened, but I just you know what. I, I, that relationship finishing and kind of the stuff that happened with dad and I thought you know what I actually I need to change something mm. because you know I was just an f- absolute beer monster I was going to say was it the, the part of the the, the the alcohol lifestyle as well um, which is heavily influenced in the band situation yeah and you know what I, I love I love to party mm. I've loved to party a lot harder than I should mm. and in hindsight I've been there yeah. uh, I, 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 as, as most people who know me if they do they've probably seen me wearing less clothes than I should be at some point <laughs> or considerably worse for wear than I should be and I think it's just bringing that into awareness and understanding that actually you know what it's not sustainable for me yeah. mentally it wasn't sustainable mm. and I think that kind of changed a thing in, of, of when we started hanging out in Exeter and I'm, I met Ruth and I kind of, I actively made a point to, as much as I've, I've, I loved that kind of, that band, that camaraderie, that hanging out in Simith, that going to Karina's, that doing that same shit over the time. I've been doing it since I was young. Yeah. And although with, with slightly different social groups, it was just, you know, I think I needed to be, I needed to, for me, mm. I need, I need I, it's really fucking selfish. No, at all. An but, active change. Yeah, and it, and it was, and it had to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all get to that point, don't we? Don't? I, I, some people do, and I think, and some people don't, and some people don't realise that things won't change for you, you have to change things. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, very, very true. And, yeah. Even, even Dan, like, taking it back to talking about politics, mm. not taking an active role in it. yeah. And uh, uh, and being apathetic and, and complaining about your situation mm. is it's fucking destroying. It's really I think it, it can really destroy a person. Yeah. If you don't bring that to your awareness and actually think, actually, I have something I don't like. It. I need to change it. But the only person who can change it is me. Mm. So I did. So I started changing things and me hanging out an extra and really a massive turning point for me and the band was was coming to that coffee house players show and meeting Ruth and actually mm. thinking you know what I can meet someone doesn't need me to well, <laughs> it's really interesting I felt that she didn't need me to be drunk to like me and that's a f- oh, okay right whereas I, I for years and years and years I, I in silence had suffered from Massive amounts of social anxiety mm. around judgment, around people judging me for uh, who I am, what I look like, a big guy, right. a fat man, a a, a, of, a man who was, yeah, I've always been poorly. Okay. Right. That's a very, I've been fat, I've been overweight, 
for a m- m- large proportion of my life and I am again now due to different circumstances but I felt um, that I needed to be in a situation where I, I, I didn't people didn't know me yeah. so, so and they didn't know the person that I, mm. I felt I had to be so that was a, that, that kind of I suppose purposeful disconnection that, that there wasn't the, you know, from a life for which of people and it sounds really that. fucking horrible like I'm like right okay so I've got these guys in the band mm. and I've got my friendship group in Sidmouth and you know what fuck them guys I don't want to be like it wasn't like it wasn't no, no. like that and I guess do you feel there was something that was it was a case of it got to a point I have to because if I don't something is going to happen well I'm I'm a king for apathy. I'm no. like, oh my life's so shit. Oh, like, rah, 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 rah. But then not changing it, yeah, is is worse because mm. then you just kind of stagnate. Yeah. So I'm I, I moved and I wanted to meet people I didn't know mm. and meet perhaps like you know meet a woman that wasn't in my social group. Yeah. Who didn't who I could maybe introduce to someone who I, I actually I felt like I was okay with. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to having to feel like, oh, it's party boy, let's go out and get mm. smashed with Sam, um, or you know, let's go out and buy everyone drinks and get fucking horribly drunk all, yeah. every weekend. So was it a guys with alcohol? Do you reckon? Sorry, was it was a, it a guys with alcohol? Constantly, I think, think uh, yeah, or? I think because um, you've always seemed like a sociable person, even whether it was um, alcohol influence or not, you've always been able to to talk to people. Yeah. Um, or was that it was, has that always been was it a struggle Are there, hidden silently yeah massively really? oh man I thought I did not realise like, yeah and I think probably in the last kind of two two maybe three two years last two years I've actually kind of realised that that I, I I used alcohol as a platform to not worry about what people were thinking about mm, me because yeah. you're drunk you just don't give a shit yeah Uh and that that maybe had to change a little bit, and there was there was some quite epic teething problems, um, <laughs> in between. Course, and I don't want to yeah. go into it into too much detail, but no, 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 understanding that I had to maybe that removing myself from that situation even wasn't enough. That, oh, okay. That, that I had to kind of just just put a hold on partying. Yeah. Because I just, it was just a really horrible cycle of, you know, living for the weekend, getting to the weekend, yeah. dealing with a hangover into Tuesday, mm. couple of beers to top up in the week, and then get ready for the weekend again, and then yeah. like, but kind of not permitting any kind of awareness of my well-being and my mental well-being. Yeah, and was it was it more? Yeah, was it more of a, a mental uh, thing or a physical thing? Was it like the actual health side of things that, that came into it? Or? Um, I'd say I'd, I'd honestly say um, drinking excessively. Mm. It, it, it does it does have its downsides, yeah. um, but more on my mental well-being. Yeah, and just like not being. Being able to feel comfortable in your own skin yeah. without having to get shit faced to feel comfortable yeah. Yeah. was was a big learning curve, and it was it was it was really hard. And I I, I really want to just say that it wasn't 
like a choice that I didn't want to not be friends with people. It wasn't, mm. it, was, it was never like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to not do the band because I continued to do the band and then moved to action and I realised that actually I can have a relationship with someone without having to be alcohol fueled mm. or, you know, to just kind of, to be different, to do different things, to, to you know, to... Enjoy different things. Enjoy different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you think that's due to your partner being able to show you that or is that through um, self-determination? It's really difficult. Change is not an easy process. And I made a lot of mistakes. And I think I've upset a lot of people in the period of changing my life and not kind of explaining why I've done stuff mm, because right. it's just difficult to do so. Yeah. Um, and I think I had, I had a, 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 until, until probably three, four months ago, probably had a two-year period, over two-year period of abstinence from alcohol. Mm. And uh, I feel that's probably one of the best things I've done in a long, long time. Yeah. Just removing that kind of cape or crutch, whichever way you want to look at it. Mm. Um, to For me, and some shit, shit got that went down with it that kind of escalated me to having to stop doing it. And I went through some really... And a really kind of interesting phase of just understanding that I can be an okay person and people aren't going to fucking hate me if I'm not pissed. Mm. Is it a control factor as well? I hate being in control. I hate having the responsibility of that. I'd rather not be in control. I'd rather be completely out of control Mm. at all points because that negates any responsibility for your actions. I was drunk. That's fine. I was drunk. It wasn't me. It was the alcohol. But to get to that point to realise that, to be able to actually define that. Um... If you were to talk to Tom Hill, he's got some very incriminating um, <laughs> video and film evidence of me in not my best states, but but just like to to, to think about it at the time, it's like yeah, it's fine, brush it off and absolutely be in, live in denial that mm. that's an okay way to be. To actually go, actually, you know what, this isn't to, to look at it and go, that's not healthy. Mm. Yeah, and t- t- you know that was really hard. Yeah, and. I, at that period of time, I couldn't separate the two. I couldn't separate um, being in a band, being in a party, being in that party situation all the time, uh, and and then not. And I was almost quite grateful of kind of the band kind of eventually collapsing Mm. because it kind of took the onus off of me for having to take responsibility for something. I could actually not do it. And plus, because of the lifestyle of a band, because you go to a gig, or even through rehearsal, is you have a couple of beers, you go, yeah. and after or after it, a show, me, through was, a it, show. I'm, I'm not. I, and just to clarify, I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic. I, I think I'm definitely, no, you, I, no, not I'm not what not in the, not in the sense not in the traditional sense, but I was the most definitely the most definitely was and probably still am a problematic drinker. Mm, right, and there's there was a, there's, yeah. there was a big difference. Okay, and I I I went. I'll openly say it, I went to a few AA meetings mm. to to actually find some bearing. And I, I went there and not to find out, not to join, just to find out, you know, is how I'm feeling, how an alcoholic feels. At what level are you in your, or what stage are you? Maybe, yeah, possibly? I mean, and, and it wasn't a case of choosing alcohol over mm. everything. It was choosing anything not to, to, to just to not feel okay. Just, just uh, choosing anything to feel better yeah. and to not deal with feeling shit mm. as opposed to 
talking about it, rationalising things, bringing things into awareness and dealing with it. Dealing with alcohol in the sense that it's it's an easy way to, you know, feel six foot tall and bulletproof. Mm. You know, alcohol obviously isn't the only way you can feel like that. Yeah. It's, it's just you as a person as well. It's addictive qualities that people can have in yeah. many, many uh, aspects. But it, the difference being of an alcoholic is that you don't, want just a drink you want 10 drinks no i don't see i don't even think that's it it's be the, the people define alcoholism as someone who um who is out of control mm. who, who whose life is revolving is controlled around by out the consumption of alcohol mm. and that becomes the priority and they dictate their life and that was never me because it wasn't necessarily about the alcohol no, no it no, was no, about no. the avoidance of feeling mm. shit about myself yeah for periods of my life music has kind of been that and performance has been that I was gonna say, and it's, it's, it's been a way of, of managing you know I feel good about myself yeah but and it's then, a short form medication though isn't it yeah as is as is alcohol as is anything as is as, as I'm as I'm fully aware I believe any form of medication is a short mm. form for that I, I, I don't even think antidepressants and not that I've taken them or not used them I just don't I don't mm-hmm. think that's the way mm. forward for me at least anyway yeah. I think it's more about just taking control of your state of mind yeah and being able yeah. to manage it well mm. I mean so many people I know struggle with mental health and struggle with it quietly and completely out of awareness you know if you if you're looking to just go out and get smashed every weekend to not feel shit about yourself Mm. you know that's you know that's really common so many people do it and Mm. are a problematic drinker will or or, and are bad problematic drinkers uh and people will do that but they won't they can't see it no and i didn't for so many years Mm. Uh, like 31 was certainly kind of collateral damage in that to a certain extent yeah functioning in awareness of like just just trying to feel okay about yourself without having to rely on anything else yeah is incredibly yeah. difficult absolutely yeah but it is achievable it, it, it is really conducive for excess right okay. do you not do you not think that like your experience of being around bands people mm. love to get wasted and it's not just getting drunk it's getting high oh yeah it's, it's, it's by any means possible yeah but then I think there's this you have um Performers, you know, it's in any any sense yeah. of the medium that you have a performance base that you have this adrenaline kick or high or through the performance, the reaction that you get from it, the appreciation that you might possibly get. It's addictive. It's that's hugely addictive by itself, but that can't last forever. You yeah. have your period of right, you know, that you have your your gigs, which are an hour to two hours in America, say, like you said earlier, four yeah, hours. Four hours. That, but, but I reckon by the time of that, you're just fucking knackered, but. That even in a performance of of uh, of a play or whatever musical anything, that at the end of that when you finish that you're on a high. Yeah, you're a massive adrenaline rush that you get, and, and it's then you, it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely it's, it it can be wonderful. It can also be completely um, horrific in my experience. Um, really? But oh god, fuck it, yeah, absolutely. Because you know, if you have a bad show, because it's a bloody critical. Because if, if if one thing goes wrong out of the, if yeah. nine hundred ninety nine things go right, it's the one thing that goes and wrong. the one thing that goes wrong is shit in my mind. 
Have but, you ever, on a sorry. complete tangent, have you yep. ever, I remember seeing a, a fantastic educational TED talk about marking. Right. And how that, it, the focus on marking is how many you get wrong, mm. not how many you get right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I got 18 out of 20. Yeah. Oh, I got two wrong. Mm. As opposed to going, I got 18 right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's how people function. Yeah. Like, even work, 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 working at Exeter College now, I see that in in people and they go, like, oh my God, I got a couple wrong. I said, yeah, but look how many you got right. Yeah. And it's really difficult to not be, mm. to be objective and say, look, actually I was successful and it's okay for me to feel good about being successful mm. and to look at how many positives I make. Mm. And the, a negative is never necessarily a negative. It's just a, 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 something that you learn mm. to not do next time. True, because it can be a fuel of something. I don't know. It depends. The, the what, what do we call it in a modern day context? Hate, you know, the haters and all those yeah. things that you have. God bless the haters. The amount of, I mean, for example, with this podcast, very positive comments and very encouraging hmm. uh, comments to say, oh, you know, go with this and advice and how to do something. Very constructive. But then, for example, I've seen negative comments mm. about this, and those are the ones that stick out of my mind. And it's always the way it's it's, yeah. a, it's the same but in that, a band situation. Yeah, you know, is that not is that not a sense of human nature? It is, but I've also exceedingly British nature. Mm, I don't. Know. I think I think globally, of course, but we uh, as a country oh, tend to focus on how day Well, we're definitely very British now, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Not in the kind of performer's nature to be focused on the critical. Yeah, I think so because if you don't, uh, I, I, again, I've previously mentioned this with a, with a, with an actor on this podcast before that how I know people who go and very good, you know, they can give a very good performance, and they'll be and they'll just go, oh, it was, I did such a good job, I I really felt it tonight, it was wonderful, and all the rest of it, and they probably did, but that's fucking amazing. I find I, that fucking but is amazing. It, but isn't that, yeah, exactly. Isn't that but is it honest? Is it? Maybe. Yeah, well, maybe it could be. You know, but what, I genuinely hope it is. Yeah. Because if someone can actually say, you know what, I did really well tonight. And I'm not, mm. e- it's not about ego, it's about confidence. And the two are I can't, so. I can't so, you can yeah. split the two, can you? Yes, you can. I find you can. Yeah. A sense of self is not ego. Mm. Ego is an over, is a bloated sense of self. It's it's it's, mm. it's actually being. I I feel it's really. I'm, I'm talking like a guitarist. Guitarists by nature, we're fucking egotists. We are like right. yeah, yeah. Like okay. I'm, I'm fucking Ingve Malmsteen, or I'm I'm Steve Vai, or mm. I'm you know I'm the I'm, I am the best, and I'm better than that guy. That guy. How many guitarists does it take to change a light bulb? Go on, fifty one. Why is that? Once change the light bulb, the other fifty to turn around and say I could have done it better and faster than he could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but that, that, but it's that mindset. Not necessarily just for guitarists, but for any any musical performer. It's just, it's everyone says, regardless of how much you believe it, mm. you can say, you know what, I did really well. You'll always feel that there's someone around the corner going, I'm much better than him. I'm much better. I could do it. But then that's down to you as a person going. Well, that might that that is that yeah. is my opinion. That's that's. But then that, there have been times. Surely there must have been times on you've been on stage 
playing and you're in the middle of a song and there's a, there's a riff, a difficult riff, or there's a um, um, a solo or something like that, which you fuck and you nail. And you absolutely, and you're in the pocket of the moment, all the rest of it, you're feeling it and it and it comes off beautifully. Even to the point of maybe you might even get an applause from the audience. Because once. Of, okay. Absolutely once. And it's when I was in the States. Right. Um, and it was, it, it was, it was really weird. It was, um, I think it was in the middle of Day- Daytona Beach where we had our, most of our residencies down on the East Coast. Was um, They had a National Harley-Davidson convention there. Mm. And it's, it's it's mental. It's like 60,000, 70,000 Harley-Davidson drivers, cyclists, yeah. cyclists, bike riders, <laughs> whatever, bikers. Mm. And the bar was really busy uh, and like it was on the stage and someone was saying, oh man, can you play, play, can you play Red House? And I'm like, can I play Rally? Of course I can play Red House. Mm. And I just got so in the zone, mm. so in the zone, I switched off. Yeah. And, I only realised that I was in that zone when I came out of it. Absolutely, it's and it's, it's like wonderful I had feeling, no huh? idea what happened, mm. and I still, I still, I can't put my finger on what was happening or how it happened. But it was like a, it's like an out of body experience. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was sublime. Mm. It was, it was. It was just this. I was just like that kind of that the rushing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was yeah. like it was like the first time I ever took pills. That rush. It was yeah. just inc- incredible. Mm. Um, sorry, mum. <laughs> I was. I wasn't gonna say. <laughs> Not that she'll ever listen to a podcast, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, I don't know if you're on it. You know, uh, her thanks, baby boy. Leslie. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. Um, dude, we've just hit three hours and ten minutes. Wow. Three hours and ten minutes of pure gold. I, I, feel, I, I feel for anyone who's actually maintained and listened to this entire thing without going, fuck me, mm. this guy's a right bell end. Um, no, that's usually aimed at me, that one. It was aimed at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, that being said, I was going to say thank you very much for coming to have a chat, but fuck you. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I'll take that. <laughs> Sam, cheers. You're most welcome, Tim. Thank you. The beautifully sincere and just all rounded, good natured human, Sam Webb, ladies and gentlemen. Discovery through this of, of the anxious nature that Sam had and through the reliance of alcohol through that, did not realise that. And that was a, a bit of an eye opening experience, and to which. I think I could speak for everybody that knows Sam. You're a wonderfully good-natured, friendly, reliable, and trustworthy person, and nobody would change that about you, and uh, you have absolutely no reason to be anxious of of how people uh, perceive you or think of you whatsoever. I can pretty much guarantee that from anyone who might have met or knows you. Thank you very much for coming to the table, Sam, and really fun, really interesting. It was great to hear your... Uh, perceptions on what band life was like and how it um, differed to mine Um, not being exactly a party animal myself or anything but uh, being able to observe it and then hearing your own thoughts on it as well also to um, just of of how interesting a character that Sam was and to that how it's not very often that you get somebody who would then go and tour the east coast of the United States and come out alive and to be able to live to tell the tale and so that was pretty cool to hear and um, many fun stories of which uh, we were not allowed to put into this podcast um, but it was uh, yeah fun all the same if you are interested in hearing some of Sam's material if you go to the website www.sayitquick.co.uk check on the bio and you'll be able to uh, be taken to one of his music videos uh, which was uh, with the band 31 
so in the meantime let's uh let's just have a little bit of tolerance and uh kindness uh for one another as much as i repeat this on a, on a week-to-week basis it's interesting and exciting times and uh let's make the best of this opportunity shall we all the best cheers <laughs>